0: prayer father I just want to thank you so much that we can come together and spend time together bless our time this morning we pray and be with us as we open your word and your precious wonderful name amen, amen. so <clears throat> while I was in the Torres Strait we we started doing a bit of flying and uh, what a blessing to be able to, rather than take the boat, the trip to Saibai, which is right at the very top there, would normally take us five and a half hours by boat. We could fly there in a very old plane. I think I had a picture there. We, we could fly there in 42 in an hour in this girl. Can anyone guess how old this plane is? Is there a lot to give me a year? 1945? Or how old it is? wasn't 1945, a bit, a bit newer than that. 40 years old. Which one? 40 years So old. what year does it make it? Yeah, Nine, you reckon 80s? Mate, I wish. 19... Oh, I wish. This plane was 1958. But it still took the trip from Horn Island to side by to an hour rather than five. I still rather that. And then when we got this plane, it took the trip to 42 minutes. Very big difference. And so it was great because we could have the opportunity to do, to do some projects. And so we had, we, we had a project which we'd set up some years before in Papua New Guinea. And the idea was that a team of people would actually go to Papua New Guinea and build a clinic. In an area of Papua New Guinea which is very remote, it was called a remote medical outpost, and the Adventist Church would fund it, and they'd also put a a nurse there to to actually keep this clinic going. And the idea is that in remote areas where women had no ability to to have any safe place to have babies, that they could at least come to a clinic where they could get fresh, they could have water and cleanliness, because the biggest cause of death in childbirth in those areas still today. Is from unhygienic conditions and women giving birth by a tree. And so the ability to build a clinic and simply have a place to, to have a, a to go was amazing. And so our job was to go there. And so, so we were planning to fly to a place we have to get to Papua New Guinea. You can't just fly directly there, otherwise they'd shoot you down. You'd have to fly through Daru, Clear Customs, and then across to Arufi. And so that little remote town there uh, is called Arufi. And, and I'd, <coughs> Dr. Eugene had left the island by then, but he said, look, Darren, I want to come, and I want to come and just help to build. He said, I don't want to do any doctoring. I just want to come and help build. And so he, he flew with me, and we arrived into Arufi in this airstrip, and very hard to see in a very, very bushy area, this little... Air, but we, we made it there, and um, we actually followed in the Adventist aviation plane as we got there. And our job would, was to help... Uh, build this clinic and of course they give this massive arrival and they give you this headdress I wish I could keep it I wasn't allowed to cassowary feathers and well because we were delayed by our visa when we got there the men had already done uh, had already marked out the area and they actually got to about this stage now how do you think all the materials got there this is PNG by the way They thought about boat, realised that most stuff would get stolen before it got there. And so what they did, and I want to show you this, they got to about that stage and everything came in by the Adventist plane. Do you know that? Every single building material came in by plane. If they couldn't shove it in, it didn't come. Tin, nails, concrete bags, cement bags, every single thing came in by the aircraft. There was no other way it could get in. And so they made this temporary shelter... Uh, that was where we stayed. It was the Hilton on legs, you can see that. Um, I won't tell you how many people snored, it wasn't mean me. The other families, other Adventists in the community, they walked and came and spent the whole uh, 10 days with us as well. And so every night it was my job to actually do the evangelism. Now I, I spent half a day working just to prove that I did work. I, I did do some things to help build, but my job was to, to set up, and this was actually... In an area where there was no Adventist church at all, no Adventist present, and there was already a Sunday keeping church there, and I don't think they were too happy. But anyway, we set up at the school. They welcomed us at the school, and we set up our projector and uh, our, our little generator, and every night we'd actually run a program, and they would love to come every night. And so the building kept going. I did work, just to prove I did do some things. Uh, And so every night we'd come together and we shared together as the clinic was built every night. I cannot believe how quick I've seen a building get up within 10 days. I mean, that's just insane, a building like that, a beautiful building uh, which is still there. In fact, just last year I was talking to a lady, I don't know how I met her, but turns out she runs a a team that actually works in that area, checking. And I said, can you check on the clinic for me, see what it's going? And she sent me some pictures and other than the solar battery is not working anymore, everything else is still working and going well, which is amazing. And so on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, there were the, the local pastors and elders had been working with 13 people to be baptised. And they said to both Pastor Dana and I, if we would be willing to baptise them. And so we said, of course. And, and so they'd prepared them already. And so there's the 13 people already. We went through the, um, the, 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 the little pledge and, and then we went down the water. And I said to them, now, where are we going to baptise them? Is there a little pool, you know? They said, no, no, we're going to do it in the river. I'm going, yeah, but you do know the river's tidal, yeah? Um, you do know there's crocodiles in the river? Yeah. I said, what are you doing about the crocodiles? Well, you know, oh, we'll put a little thing around. They don't know anything about shark nets, so they put this little thing around. <laughs> As I walked in the water... There was water it was about this deep but the mud was that deep and, and we baptised the people. I do need to say this, the ladies were frightened on me. I had ladies, you can see I was baptising a man, that's another story. Um, I, he was the guy that was hosting us and when he came I said, <laughs> and uh, anyway I upset the apple cart there but the ladies when I went to baptise them instead of going and just, they would duck down. Half their hair would stick out. I, anyway, 13 people were baptised and 26 people put their hand up and said, I want to be baptised. You know, the man that I baptised there, he became the pastor. He's, he's now a volunteer pastor and he's the pastor of the little church. there, right in the roofie. Not much, nothing, but what a beautiful thing to do on the Sabbath. To be able to share together and to be baptised together. And today I just want to spend a little bit of time talking to us together about the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath is very important to us. In fact, it's so important to us as Adventists that it's actually, it's actually part of our name. I know it sounds funny, we call ourselves Addies or SDAs or whatever, but you know, I've given that up. We're Seventh-day Adventists. We're Seventh-day Adventists. And, and it, it's so important that we've made it as part of our, our very name. But today, I actually don't want, to, I don't want to talk to you about the reasons why we keep the Sabbath. I'm not going to go through the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to talk about that. The only thing I'm going to note though is that have you ever read, have you ever counted the amount of words? Go into Exodus 20, count up the number of words for the, for the, for the first three and count up the number of words for the Sabbath and count up the words for the last five. Do you know that the, the Sabbath commandment takes up almost a whole third of the commandments? Do you know that? So would you think that God made it important then? I would say that. If God, when he spoke them, Spent one-third of all of his speaking words to the people there on Mount Sinai. He made them a one-third. I think that's pretty important, when you believe? But I'm not going to also talk about why most of Christianity worship on Sunday. I'm not going to talk about that. What I want to talk about today is I want to explore how the very nature of God himself can be discovered through the story of creation and in the so, I want you to open your Bible. So, just, just very simply, just to the very beginning of your Bible, the very chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, right at the very beginning. So, you only need to go past the table of contents, get to where it says Genesis 1, and then go to Genesis 2. Now, if it's on your phone, it's even easier. Genesis chapter 2. So, what we want to look at is What does Genesis 2 say about God when we read it in context of creation? So let's look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were... And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done and he what? He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it... He rested from all his work which God had created and made. So all I want to do today is just look at simply how we can see God's nature through the Sabbath. And the very first thing I want to look at is that God, first of all, wants relationship. He wants relationship. You see, it talks about rest. God ended his work and he rested now I want to think about that word rest for a minute now sometimes we think of rest and we think you know what the sabbath is fantastic because I can just stop everything and I could sleep for 24 hours do you think that's the sort of rest now I'll just cave it here there are times when we need to do that but do you think that's the sort of rest God was talking about when he rested did he just go to sleep for 24 hours that's it we never said God he was in his little throne room and he was gone for 24 hours what is it? I want to look at a, a verse in Isaiah, and you can look it up Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. I've got it here Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, and it says this Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord? the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So in other words, God doesn't get tired. God doesn't need to stop for rest. And I want to look a little bit deeper into the Hebrew word of rest. So when I look at a dictionary, and the word rest means to shabbat, to cease or to bring to an end I want to think about this for a minute so has anyone been on a cruise been on a cruise and as you're coming into port the ship's been on a journey and as it comes into port it comes to a rest or it comes it ceases to move hopefully it ceases to move before it hits the wharf same with the train. As a train pulls in, it's stopping the journey. Is that correct? It's pulling up, brakes are on. It's coming to an end. It's gliding to a stop. It's coming to rest. You could almost say that our work week, our work week rather, is coming to an end. It's ceasing from our work week. We're ceasing what we do. But I want to expand that just a little bit further. Think of a journey. You've been on a cruise, you've been away, you might have been on a big long trip. My daughter's wandering around Switzerland at the moment. I'm sure when we get to see her we'll do this. You know, that when, when we've been on a journey, we've been away from each other and we come, our journey's stopped, what, what happens next normally? You head off, but what do you do? Someone comes to meet you. So think of this, that when our journey's over or we've travelled somewhere to see someone, when we get to the other end, whether it's getting off a plane, getting off a train or a boat, whatever it is, we actually get to meet someone. And so the idea of this is that there's this relationship that as we come together, we're actually meeting people. We're coming back Together, God does that. As our work week finishes, he's looking for this relationship with us. As we cease to work, as we come to rest, our mind can start head to God. So the Sabbath then has this relational impact. It's this relationship. God ceased his work of creation to spend time with his creation. To spend time with Adam and Eve. And so we see God coming into what we call an enduring relationship with his creation. With his creation. And I like this picture. This is, this is an at picture. But I love to see this picture that there's Jesus and there's his there's the people around him. It's this relationship together. So this, this idea of this awesome, majestic God can dwarf the concept that God desires intimacy. You see, back in the Middle Ages when we, when we built cathedrals and, and we built massive churches, what did that conjure up in terms of your idea of God? If you walk if then I walked into a cathedral like this before even the one in Perth when you walk in do you tend to like shout out and make a big noise or because of the grandeur and the size of it you feel so small you stop There's a reason for this is because back in the days when these were created they wanted people to feel that God was right up there and you were down here And God was this awesome, majestic God, which is 100% true. God is like that. But at the same time, this awesome, majestic God, but also wants to be right here beside us. Now, I'd I'd, I'd take this picture. See, I spent a lot of time at the school. I was a chaplain for three and a half years, and I spent every week in a classroom somewhere doing a story. And what I would generally do is I found the, the smallest chair they possibly had And I'd get down as close as I possibly could and I'd say to the kids, now what are you doing over there? Come down here. Now this is before COVID, mind you. And it would be so that I could see their eyes to build a relationship with them rather than right up the back. If they were on desks, I'd say, is it all right if they could come off their desks and come down here? And they knew that when I came in that no one was on their desks, they were on the mat because I wanted to build a relationship with them, not from way up the back. See, God is like that. He, he doesn't want to be at the top of the cathedral. He wants to be right in amongst us. And so the Sabbath creates that opportunity for him to create this relationship with us. Do you like that? It has a different idea, doesn't it? When we think of God in that way. And so Sig V. Tom said this, the Sabbath day tells of the importance of human beings to God and its primary message is not human duty, but what? Divine commitment. In other words, Sabbath becomes a commitment that God gives to us about spending time with us. Now, that's why Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, because they were trying to say to people, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do that. Sabbath becomes your commitment but God said, no, 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 it's my commitment to you to give you a blessing. To give you a blessing. And so when we look at the Sabbath, there's something unique about it. That, that in, in fact, God is unique in crowning the Sabbath because no other religion in the world has a Sabbath. Do you know that? There's no a single other, in fact, no other religion can take credit for the institution of a week. To have a cycle, a seven-day cycle is actually, there's no reason in science to have a cycle of seven days. Do you know that? The Sabbath is the only reason for a seven-day cycle. And it can only be attributed to creator God and to creation. Amen. And the Sabbath itself is unique because we view it at the end of the week. But for Adam and Eve, where did it come? It was their very first full day. Had they worked at all? Did they deserve the Sabbath? No, no, no. It was a gift. Their very first full day on earth was with God on Sabbath. A gift. And you know, we might say, you know, I deserve the Sabbath. I worked very hard this week. But you know what? It's still a gift to us. It's still a gift to us. It's a gift that we experience at the end of every week. We do our work, but at the end, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift that we have to accept. It tells us about the holiness of God. Go back to that verse in Genesis 2, verse 3. It tells us about the holiness of God. And God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work that God had created and made that word sanctified. So God's holiness is reflected on the Sabbath, his own holiness. You see, when we look at Genesis 1 and 2, we see different parts of the creation described as Good. When we saw the light, the land, the sun, the moon, the stars, the fish and the birds and the animals were all described as good. Is that correct? When Adam and Eve were created, they were what? They were very good. But when the Sabbath was created, when when God rested on the Sabbath, he said the, the, the Sabbath was the first thing then that was sanctified or in other versions it was hallowed. It was the only thing in creation that was made holy. In other words, it's set apart, it's separate from all the rest of the days of the week. Although everything, something special happened on every other day, something special happened. I mean, without light, we're no good. Without sun, moon and stars, we're no good. We can't live without the animals and people. But the Sabbath was the only thing that was only ever made holy and so we see God's Holiness in the Sabbath because God came and was present on the Sabbath. That was the only thing that made it holy was because God came to it. He was there. Now, I've actually been to Derby just recently and I met a man, a very interesting man, and he goes around and he carries a cross all the way down different streets and it creates amazing conversations with people because they say, what are you carrying a cross for? And then he tells the story of Jesus, an amazing evangelist. And he came to church on the sabbath he said i love them all i love everyone i love adventist i love everyone i love these i love he loves everyone and he said you know what he says he says i just worship god every day i don't need to worship on sabbath i love god i worship him every day now what do you think of that is that true should we worship god every day yeah but the thing is that's true we should worship god every day but the point is that god still only made one of them holy no matter what we decide." about how we worship God, God still only made one holy. There's only one that he set apart. And so we see God's holiness in the Sabbath. After resting upon the seventh day, Adam White says this, God sanctified it or set it apart as a day of rest for man. Following the example of the crowd, a man was to rest upon his sacred day. That as he should look upon the heavens and the earth, he might reflect upon God's great work of creation, that as he should behold the evidence of God's wisdom and goodness, his heart might be filled with love and reverence for his Maker. What we then see is that God finishes or completes what he starts. Now, that might seem a little bit interesting, but, but creation had a purpose. You see, when we look at evolution, no purpose, it's just random, it keeps going. No one starts it, no one stops it. But creation had a purpose. It began on day one, ended on day six. It had this limit. And so what it shows us is that, that, that the Sabbath becomes this capstone, or in other words, a crowning glory of creation. And so it's start and finish, there's a limit. There's a definite end and there's this deliberate purpose to creation it's not random and so then it tells us that God is a God of order that in Genesis 1.1 God didn't have to be introduced it just assumes that God exists you see in a lot of religions they have they have a, a system called a theogony and a theogony is this whole introduction to who the God is what he does and where is he from and and who he married and who he didn't marry but see, God doesn't have a theogony because we just assume he exists. And that's why it says, in the beginning, God. It just assumes that we know that God exists. It doesn't need to describe the birth of God or some genealogy. It's because just because God is a God of order. In fact, Tonstead said this, the biblical account begins with God prior to whom there is nothing. God is the beginner and the one who brings everything everything into existence only god can bring anything into existence it's his prerogative only to do that he's the god of order and he's the god of purpose amen the sabbath then provides a true reason a true reason why worship is due to our creator god but then god enters history God saw that Sabbath was essential for man, even in paradise. He needed to lay aside his own interests and pursuits for one day of the seven that he might fully contemplate the works of God and meditate upon his power and goodness. He needed a Sabbath to remind him more vividly of God and to awaken gratitude because all that he enjoyed and possessed came from the beneficent hand of the Creator." very quick story recently when I was in Port Helen I met a couple called Bronique and Audrey, South African only been Seventh day Adventist for two years for many years Bronique suffered with drug addiction alcohol addiction, just all kinds and he finally in New Zealand knew about God, they'd been Pentecostal many years but couldn't become free of his addictions, finally met up with uh, an Adventist pastor and and the Sabbath caught them and uh, they, they they put God to the test in two occasions in they work in mining almost impossible in mining to get Sabbath off do you know that almost absolutely impossible and so while they're in New Zealand one occasion they they, they're able to get Sabbath off, and, and they always want to come back to, w, uh, to Perth, or sorry, to West Australia, and there was a job available for Port Hedland. And he accepted it. And then he said, God, I'm so sorry. He said, You know, I, I, I didn't tell him about the Sabbath. I thought I'd just wait to see how it goes. You know, maybe I can do something else. You know, the swing was 26 days on, nine days off. And he sent an email to the boss, he said, look, I'm sorry to, to, and these people he'd worked with before, they knew what it was like before, and he sent an email, to said, look, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've become a Adventist. He said, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't work on Sabbath. If there's a way we can have Sabbath off, this is a, he's in construction, he's an engineer, if, if, and all the crew are on for 26 days, nine days off. If I can have Sabbath off, he said, I'll work all the other, I can work all the other time to make up for it, but can I have Sabbath off? Three days went by, he didn't hear anything. Finally, the guy emails him. Um, sorry, I, I need to know what St. David's was. I, I had to Google it. He said, yeah, that's fine. You can have Sabbath off. If you can make it up. You won't get paid for it. No, no, I don't want to. And so Bernique gets up at three o'clock in the morning, every morning, six days, or other than Sabbath, to make up for the time. But he has Sabbath off. That's the commitment. Because he saw the blessing. The last thing is that God has personhood and is accessible. The creation account starts in Genesis 1.1 and in Genesis 2.2 it says, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he's done. See we talked about that in point four, that God finishes or completes it. And the point really tells us that that it had to be a person that has this deliberate purpose. That God is a person. It's not a force. It's not a force. It's not trees. Not in trees or anything. God is a person that can choose to start creation and end it. That He is a person. That is that is he's, he's got a limit to creation. And so the Sabbath speaks of a God that has this. limited design but with a definite purpose, a definite purpose. So the seventh day stands out purely by the fact that God ended his work. And although we can see God's omnipotent power at work in creation, the rest of the, sorry, the rest on the serves an expression of God's personhood more than his power. So the Sabbath shows us that God is a person that has made himself close to us Unlike those cathedrals. A God that wants to be accessible to us as humans. A God that desires to spend time with us in His creation. A God that'll come down when He needs to and become our friend. And so, friends, we've seen that God created the Sabbath for relationship. We see that it's unique, that it's holy that God completes what he starts. There's a limit to his creation, but he had purpose, a definite purpose, that the Sabbath shows order and that God enters our history when he steps into our time. The Sabbath indicates that God is accessible to little ones, to older ones, to all of us. And looking at the Sabbath reveals the very nature of God in creation. Help us to understand why and how Jesus spent his time on earth. Why he devoted to spend his time helping and blessing others. And I pray that as you dig deep into this, that you will find that for you, the Sabbath becomes something that's way more of a treasure than it is a hindrance. Let's pray together. Father, we love you for wanting to do so much for us. Bless our day. Bless our Sabbath. Amen.